Now, though, every month we've been checking in with our friends at the Good Information Project, an initiative by thejournal.ie, to find out what the people of Ireland want to know more about and then to get that information. Over the past few months, we've spoken to the team about the future of work, about housing, and now we're going to talk public transport. So joining us today from the Good Information Project is journalist with thejournal.ie, Lauren Boland. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Louise. How are you? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. So, Lauren, we always kind of kick off with a brief explanation of what the Good Information Project is, just in case someone's listening for the first time or they haven't come across it. Sure. So the Good Information Project is, as you were saying, it's an initiative that we started here at the Journal a couple of months back. And basically what we do is we take one topic each month um, that has that that's important right now in Ireland. Um, and we go really in depth on it, looking at it um, from lots of different angles. So, for example, the first topic was about um, Northern Ireland and the idea of, um, you know, a shared island in the future and what that might look like. We looked at housing, we've looked at the future of work, and then this month is public transport. Um, and it's quite reader-led. We want to hear from readers about what their ideas are, what their experiences are. Um, so, it's yeah, it's been a really nice way of looking kind of in-depth at a topic in a way you don't always get to do in journalism. Yeah, absolutely. And inter- very interesting to hear what people's opinions are and um, kind of w- how things are looking in terms of the future. And I think tra- like public transport is something that people will be really curious about because there are some ways that we're kind of relatively well served in terms of trans- public transport. And then there are other areas in which we are, um, like I would say, criminally underserved in yeah. public transport. <laughs> so tell me, what are the main areas that people have kind of re- like brought up for conversation? Mm-hmm. So you're you're dead right. There's uh, there's huge differences um across the country, and that's probably one of the main things people have brought up with us. Um, that you know if you're in Dublin, and there's still problems with public transport in Dublin, mm. but there are options. You know you can get the bus, you can get the Lewis, you can get the Dart, you can get a train. Sure. Um, you can even jump on one of these you know bleeper bikes and things like yeah. that. So there are options there. So problems with it, but you have plenty of choice. Whereas we have a lot of people coming from, say, more rural areas who are saying to us, look, like, I'd like to take public transport, but there's just no public transport there for me to take. Mm. Um, and that's especially, you know, and I don't think this will come as a surprise, but one of the, the main places um, where we're hearing that from is Donegal. Um, I think we've all probably seen those maps. They go around Twitter every now and again of, you know, a comparison of what um, the train tracks used to look like in Donegal in the 1940s, 1950s compared to now where there's just, there's no train. Um, and how nice would it be as a Dubliner to have the option to get the train to Donegal? <laughs> like that drive is intense. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to be sitting on a train reading a book or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I'm from Dublin as well and not to be too Dublin-centric yeah. about it, but yeah, it would be lovely to get the train up to Donegal. And I'm sure for people who are in Donegal, exactly. it'd be so much easier to, you know, get around in the county because you would, you know, you'd have the train going from Dublin maybe to say uh, Letterkenny, but then along the way, you know, it would stop off, you know, the, the say proposed uh, links that some campaign groups are putting out, it would stop off then at other towns along mm kind of south Donegal leading up to Letterkenny um so it would just be it would be a massive kind of boost of connectivity um in the county itself but then also to other parts of Ireland you know whether the whether the train would go over to Derry and then down to Dublin or whether it would go from Donegal then down through Sligo and across to Dublin all roads seem to still end in Dublin but (laughs) we're lucky that way aren't we (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that is one of the main things we're hearing from readers, though, is that they want to see more attention given to areas outside of Dublin. Yeah. Um, places like Donegal, places like Mayo or places like Kerry, where it's very difficult to get a bus. You know, I think, say, one one of the big things we hear about with public transport in Ireland right now is bus connects, sure. um, which is starting with Dublin, which is a total kind of revision of how the bus system is going to work in Dublin. That's also being expanded out um, to other counties. Um, so there's going to be a Bus Connects program in Cork that's kind of kicking off, um, one in Galway. Um, so it's, it, it, there is going to be work in other, in other cities as well. But obviously, like most things, it started in Dublin. Um, but I guess people also want to say, you know, well, you know, I, I might not live in a city, but I still want to yeah. be able to get public transport. And especially right now with, um, as we're thinking more and more about the environment and about sustainability and about climate, you know, I say I was talking to a young person who lives in Donegal who was saying that they, they don't want to have to buy a car. They would like to be able to get public transport places. Um, you know, they don't want the expense of the car. They don't want the, the sort of the negative environmental impact that a car brings. But they sort of don't have a choice if yeah. they're, you know, if they're going to right now, they're sort of relying on lifts from their parents to get places. And that's obviously just not sustainable long term as an adult yeah 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 and of course not just in Donegal but uh, you know in, in lots of places around the country and mm. particularly rural areas um what about accessibility because I know this is something that you focused on as well and it is an, an, an ongoing issue for people with additional kind of physical needs when it comes to public transportation isn't it yeah absolutely there's there's a lot of kind of issues around accessibility on public transport that if you're not in that position you might not even realize yeah. um are a problem but but really are for the people who they impact um so I was speaking say to a disability rights activist who um you know highlighted a range of those kind of concerns so say one thing for example is um if you are a wheelchair user um, there's a lot of forms of public transport that you have to call up in advance and notify them that you're going to be, you know, taking the train um, or taking one of the sort of a, a longer, a longer bus. Um, and you have to give them, you know, maybe at least 24 hours notice. And what that means is there's a real lack of spontaneity then, you yeah. know, um, you know, if you're a college student, you can't just you can't just go off with your friends, you know, on a random train yeah. somewhere. Um, it really kind of it, it limits things you can do on the spur of the moment. And what is um, the what is the reasoning for that? I think the reasoning is is because say for example in a station where that's not normally staffed, mm. um, if it's a train, the train driver then is typically the the one who has to get out and let down, um, let down the ramp so that the the wheelchair user can get on the train. Um, yeah. so where then I suppose in in a bigger station like Houston or Connolly, you you would have staff who are are there as customer service sort of staff and yeah. can and can do those sort of things. Um, so that's also you know there's um there's also challenges with that say, in more rural areas outside yeah. of Dublin. Um, another thing, even things as simple as if the footpath outside of a bus, you know, you pull up on the bus and the footpath outside of it is, um, is uneven. It can be really difficult, you know, get on or off that yeah. ramp or even if a, if a bus driver pulls up and where they pull up the bus, if the, if those doors are beside a, uh, a light, like a lamp pole, yeah. And you're trying to, to come out down the ramp and there's a pole in your way. You know, these these little things that where the infrastructure isn't friendly for accessibility. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there are issues with taxis, aren't there, in terms of accessibility? Because obviously, if you can't easily use the bus or easily use the train where you are, you're relying potentially on taxis if driving isn't an option for you. And we're talking about public transport. So tell me about that. Yeah, so one of my colleagues, Maria Delaney, she's been looking into that quite a bit. And what she found was that 
Um, more than 70% of complaints related to accessibility about taxis since 2019 um, were about taxi drivers refusing to take on guide dogs or assistance dogs or even refusing to take on wheelchair users themselves, um, which you can imagine if you're someone who uses a wheelchair or who has a guide dog, um, that must be a, a really constant stress if you yeah. need to take a taxi thinking, oh God, am I going to be let on? Which obviously you should be. Um, but um, there's, you know, we heard a lot of inc- instances of people not being let onto a taxi because they use a wheelchair or because they have their guide dog. Um, and what happens is I think in over, in over half of those complaints, there were fines that were given out um, to taxis that range between 40 euro and 80 euro mm. and so a lot of disability advocates would say that we really need stricter penalties on that that without um without a meaningful sort of a meaningful you know consequence for for not being accessible and um, that, that that things just won't change and mm. um, so say the the national private hire and taxi association suggested that um, licenses should be revoked for drivers who refuse wheelchair users. So this there's a, this kind of discussion around you know what can we um what can we do to just make um taxis but also public transport more broadly what can we do to make that more accessible for people and just so that everyone can be included on it and that everyone has equal access to it. Yeah, and tell me about safety because I know that's an area you focused on as well. And I do often hear you know, I, I have experienced bad things on public transportation as a woman. And, you know, you hear of, of things happening a lot to men and women on public transportation. Um, are people happy with the level of safety that's being provided? A lot of times, no. And I think it depends also on what type of public transport they're taking, what time of day they're taking it at. And mm. um, people feel a lot less safe at night um, on public transport, which I guess um, is something that, that probably won't come as a surprise, but is something that nonetheless we really, people want to see action taken on. Um, it, it's a really interesting topic. So, so right now, I was talking to Transport Infrastructure Ireland and what they're responsible for um, is the Lewis. Um, and they had a report last year about public transport in Ireland. And what they found was that women in particular feel quite unsafe on public transport mm. um, and women will change our behaviour. And, and this, you know, this, I'm sure lots of women can relate to this. You know, you'll change your behaviour on public transport. Um, you know, you'll be more, more alert, more cautious, sometimes more more anxious depending on the circumstances depending on what time of day it is and you know the the environment that's around you um and you know I think the report found that something like 55 percent of women will avoid or have avoided at some stage um taking public transport at night um over a third have you know avoided at some stage going out altogether because they would have had to take public transport and they didn't feel safe doing it Mm. um so say on the Lewis for example what they've done since that report they have been temporarily increasing the number of security officers on Lewis's and at Lewis platforms by 30%. And mm. um, that was on a trial basis and the trial was kind of due, they're, they're, they're reassessing that now this month. Um, and they said it, it, it'll probably go on into September. Um, some other things they're doing are things like um, increasing the monitoring of CCTV footage. They also have plans to work with local artists to create some art installations at Lewis stations. Um, and that's an interesting one because it's yeah. the kind of thing that might not seem immediately like something that would make um, somewhere safer. Yeah, yeah but but um, I was speaking to say some research researchers and campaigners and they were saying that you know a big thing with making people there's there's making people feel safer on public transport and then there is 
there's there's actually making it safer and those can be two slightly different things but at least from the point of view of making people feel safer if the environment of a station um is you know it's clean it's well lit it has a nice sense of place and that comes in with things like you know art installations and then people will feel safer and you know possibly be a a deterrent um for for bad behavior as well so that's interesting um so in terms of solutions have you found any solutions uh, via your research (laughs) yeah i suppose for things like safety to take safety to start you know what researchers and campaigners say is there's a lot of different ways of coming at it you know on a on a really broad level first of all you have to look at kind of having you know wider societal changes that sort of you know make um, mistreatment of women or you know poor behavior on public transport that just really makes that unacceptable and mm. um, that we you know have a change in attitudes change in behaviors that just really make those kind of things yeah, well, that something nice. that won't be put up with <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's sort of the the big picture like the long-term goal of what we really need to be working towards to sort of have a fundamental change with this mm. but then in the meantime there's there's other things like having better infrastructure you know things like putting lighting at bus stops um you know, especially in, again, more rural areas, a bus stop where there is one could be in a very isolated place, even in even in cities, even in Dublin or Galway or Cork, you can have bus stops that are in, you know, quite isolated streets and might not have a lot of lighting around them. Um, And that's, you know, you're not going to feel very safe waiting for a bus in that environment or getting off a bus late at night. Mm. Um, Also having what people are saying to me is, you know, having more women um, involved in planning and design, you know, in planning out these kind of routes um, or planning um, what, you know, a station will look like or, you know, planning what the the lighting around a station will look like, you know, having a more um, a broad, a more broad range of voices um, around around those discussions. So you do have different people's needs taken into account. Um, And then more broadly, I guess. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Um, I was going to say, I guess more broadly with public transport, you know, kind of thinking about <laughs> how can we make it better? Um, there's other things like a, a big thing of what came up when I was talking to people really was the idea of sustainability. How can we make people, how can we encourage people and inf- and facilitate them taking public transport um, and shifting away from cars? Because in a lot of areas that that is really difficult right now, yeah. um, you know, and people might really want to take public transport, but it's just not possible for them where they live you know maybe there's not a bus that would get them to work early enough in the morning um so it's about you know making those changes to facilitate people taking it but then also once you have the options there um you know encouraging people to you know see it as a viable option um and you know make it sort of part of people's daily lives yeah Okay, well, look, I mean, we could talk loads more because obviously you guys have spent a month working on this. So obviously we're not going to get through it um, in in 10 or 15 minutes. Um, But I really appreciate you coming on and talking to us. If you want to find out more about the Good Information Project and learn more about this work, go to thejournal.ie. You can check it all out there. And um, what are you doing next, Lauren? What's the next topic? So we're taking a bit of a broader look next. These topics so far have all been quite focused on Ireland um, and sort of Ireland's position within Europe and that sort of thing. But for the next one, we're going um, a little bit bigger and we're looking at the space race um, and sort of how Europe is sort of faring with that. You know, we've all heard about these sort of um, big commercial um, space flights that are happening right now. So yeah. we're going to be taking a look into those. Okay, that sounds exciting. Well, thank you so much. That's Lauren Boland um, uh, from the Good Information Project at thejournal.ie. Have a great one, Lauren. Thanks, Louise. Thanks a million. Louise McSherry on 2FM.